Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, where every week me and Miss Boo take turns picking films to watch and talk about. Some are good, some are bad, but they are always fun at the Film Club. Miss Boo, how are you? I'm doing good. I mean, I'm a little sad that Undead September is coming to an end, mm-hmm. but I think you are incredibly excited today for this pick. I'm very excited. This is our first Nicolas Cage film of oh, the podcast. That's right. Uh, and I'm very hyped, because this movie was wonderful. It was interesting. We came into this completely blind, mm-hmm. hadn't seen it before, we'd only seen the trailer. And the memes. And the memes, because man, this movie is a walking, talking, breathing meme. But it was really funny. It was really good. I dug the shit out of this movie. I wasn't really sure, you know, if it was going to be one of those things where the trailer's hilarious and then you watch the movie and it's like, oh, well. They used all the best jokes in the trailer. Exactly. And this is like two hours of like, meh. And I was surprised it was two hours. I didn't think it was going to be that long. Yeah. I dug it. We should tell people. The movie we're watching today is Vampire's Kiss, the 1988. I believe. Yeah, 1988. Eight film uh starring nicholas cage it is wonderful it is about this like literary agent who in this slow descent into madness believes he has been infected with vampirism and comedy ensues that is going to be how i describe a lot of things that happen it's like nicholas cage does a bump of cocaine at the club comedy ensues it's great nicholas cage eats a pigeon comedy ensues I'm really, I'm really excited to talk about this one because it was a lot of fun. I'm, this is a good blind watch. Yeah, you know, I, I had hoped for the best, and it was actually very entertaining. The story was engaging because mm-hmm. it just keeps you guessing. You know, what's real, what's fantasy? Yeah, this is kind of like um, a totally different movie, but it's kind of had like a Jacob's Ladder thing going on. Yeah, because. Nicholas Cage plays um, Peter Lowe, who is this literary agent, really high-strung, yuppie character, who we see he has a psychiatrist, he's suffering from this weird... Um... In the movie, they call it madness, but when we both watched it, we were really picking up that it was more he was suffering from schizophrenia. Yeah, I mean, it's never stated. Mm-mm. It's No doctor says he's a schizophrenic, Mm-mm. but... Yeah, that's basically what, you know, the armchair psychologist on the movie websites have dubbed it, so we'll go with that. Yeah. But Nicolas Cage is playing this character, and... He's very outrageous in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going for. I was trying to find the word for it, because I'm like, Nicolas Cage, subtle performance? Never. Never. No. But, yeah, he is... If there's such a thing as an over-the-top Nicolas Cage performance, this is pretty damn close. Definitely, and it's set in New York, and I think that's kind of how this movie really works, mm-hmm. is because New York, like L.A. and Hollywood, we're so used to eccentric and just... Weird characters. Weird characters out about in the street. You just, you know, you kind of just walk forward, don't really pay attention to them. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there's some things that happen in this movie, and it's like, how is he not getting arrested or there's no security, no cops anywhere? And it's The like, other thing is some of the scenes that they're shooting, it looks like they just had a camera, a sound guy, and Nicolas Cage. And they, I'm like... They did, yeah. Wait, was that actually a thing? Mm-hmm. We'll get to that later. Oh, God. But that I is wanna, very I want to know which scenes Nick Cage went, went fucking cockeyed over. We will. We will. Okay, because... But where do you want to start? Okay, so the Jacob's Ladder situation that I was 
alluding to before. We should probably talk about that because Peter Lowe, he's suffering from this, like, you know, bout of madness and whatnot. Yeah. He's losing touch with the reality. And the movie, and you told me you were having issues discerning what was real and what was fake, and you're con- you're almost convinced that the vampire lady is real. Well, should we spoil the ending? Because that kind of goes with my analysis of the movie. Mm, we might have to. I Spoiler warning for a movie older than the both of us. Yes. Yes. Significantly. <laughs> yes. So, we'll go with that. Peter dies in the end of the movie Mm -hmm. and we have you know this beautiful cut of the city line of new york over the water and we have this clip of our vampire in the movie and she's you know talking to peter and it's just my angel kind of the way that she's been speaking to him throughout the film Mm -hmm. so it kind of makes you feel like maybe he wasn't all crazy maybe she really was a vampire and she was coming to him at night and feeding on him and also kind of just driving him further and further to insanity i don't buy it i am fully in the camp that peter is completely crazy because we get all those all those um scenes where he's like oh he goes to meet the vampire woman in bed and he sits down and he hands like the blank air coffee and just like drops it there or he invites no one into his shower and yeah they start getting free and there's no one there yeah you know and also when he looks in the mirror and he's like where am i and you can obviously see see him yeah you can obviously see nick cage's reflection but nick cage doesn't see nick cage's reflection and it's and he the comedy ensues and that's why you know throughout the whole movie i'm thinking okay he is mentally unstable and he is just losing it as you know as far as we get into the film and it was just that one clip where it kind of throws you and it's like well maybe he really wasn't losing it maybe it was her but to kind of tie it to jacob's ladder yeah you know maybe it just was this the entire time and it's just kind of like a, a fever dream where he meets this girl this one time and it's just parlays it into the story of she's a vampire and she's changing him well because his girlfriend there um you know, going and about to be intimate, and a bat comes into the apartment, and yeah. it, like, freaks him out. And then, you know, he, oh, he meets this new girl, hits on her at a club, and it's like, it's that thing where, you know, in dreams you see two separate things, and they just morph in your dream to one thing. And it's like, that's kind of what's going on here, except instead of it being a dream, he's going crazy. Yeah, and he even talks to his therapist about the bat coming in, and he says that, you know, he was getting intimate with his girlfriend, and she left the room, and, you know things calmed down but as he was you know chasing the bat around the room became you know became aroused again and it was just this thing of you know was that the manifestation of okay that vampire this new girl that i meet at a bar she's the vampire horny <laughs> it was horny drunk little stoned little stoned it was a whole it was a whole wonderful night yeah and okay, and on that psychiatrist thing, because we get a twist at the end where we find out the psychiatrist is not real, is a figment of Peter's imagination. Mm-hmm. In a wonderful, very much like sequence. the Sixth Sense. Yeah, I just really like the sequence where Nicolas Cage is just talking on a street corner and no one's there, and then it intercuts with he's him. in his psychiatrist's office, and it's this nice like high rise. He's not like all covered in blood and like looks crazy he looks like you know peter Lowe, the very you know 
nice and respectable mm-hmm. yuppie, you know, literary agent. And it's just it's just a really funny, interesting like little sequence there. How it cuts in between, yeah. how we have like certain responses, callbacks, and it's this weird like pulls you in and out of Peter Lowe's like headspace, and it's really cool. And that was a scene that I wanted to spoil for later. That was the one where they shot on a telephoto lens. Really? And the people walking around him are just kind of reacting to him. Because, I mean, he he has blood on his mouth, on his shirt, and he's talking to an edge of a building. And he's holding literally like a two-by-four? Yeah, uh, it's a part of a... Um, like a fence set or something? It's part of a pallet that he breaks off in the scene before. And it's just, you know, this sharp, jagged piece of wood. And he's screaming and he's covered in blood and it's like yeah he's, he's I was... wandering around the streets of new york killing i'm a vampire <laughs> a vampire and it's so weird and wonderful and great another scene where they were using just random new yorkers walking on the street was the part when he breaks that piece off the pallet and he asks the couple kill me and he's handing the wood over to And the them. guy's just like, dude, fuck off. And he's just like, no, that's okay, and walks around him. And I was just like, those poor people just trying to go to work, thinking, oh my god, this guy wants me to kill him in the middle of the street. Could you, ima- could you imagine if somebody did that? And, like, and they're walking around, he's like, why did the guy from Moonstruck ask me to kill him? What the fuck? Except, was he in Moonstruck before or after this? I don't know when Moonstruck came out, I'll be real with you. I know. But but yeah, it's so, it's so good, and... I love that reveal with the psychiatrist because I'm just like how it's done is wonderful, and it's just so cool. And also on that note, it's the you know the telephoto lens. He's talking to real New Yorkers. Can we just talk about Nicolas Cage for a second? He is committed oh, in exactly. this role. He is because that's the thing about Nick Cage. In no matter what the movie is, even if it's like really bad, even if he's not getting paid a lot, he will give you a hundred and ten percent every movie, every performance. I mean, if we're going to chalk it up to the part where he eats a live cockroach for this movie. And it was just a gross scene. And I mean, I wouldn't want to do it myself. And, you know, kudos to him for being that committed. But it also takes it back to uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah, I, I saw that. And I'm like, that's a that's a, a, that's Ren- a Renfield. Renfield move. Yeah. Because we have it in Bram Stoker's Dracula and a lot of the Dracula things where, oh, the guy that's, you know struck by madness under the mm-hmm. guise of Dracula. He starts eating insects and stuff like that. Yeah, and because like, Dracula is not going to fully change his uh, familiar. Because mm-hmm. he needs somebody to do the dirty work for him while he's slumbering away. So that's why I thought it was cool to kind of tie it into the lore of Dracula and vampirism. But that's why I was also convinced maybe he is kind of in this limbo because... Just like, you know, Renfield from the past, here he is eating bugs. But it I, it's really funny. It's yeah. really or it's really interesting. Yeah. Because we have the um the Rachel character, right? That's the vampire yeah, woman. Rachel. She's the Dracula and she's, you know, seducing and tempting in Peter, who becomes like her Renfield or whatever. And it's just like really interesting because, you know, he's like now her like now he's like her slave and it's like weird and he's going crazy and he's eating bugs and shit no no it's really cool also another homage in this is when he's going through the club and he's walking all like weird and crazy with his teeth out that's literally um nick cage like i'm gonna walk 
like Nosferatu, mm-hmm. and we also see Nos the movie Nosferatu in this in this film. Yeah, I mean, you know, you'd think, okay, I'm turning into a vampire. Who am I gonna be? Am I gonna be suave like Dracula? No, he goes Count Orlock, creepily, you know, walking around the city and the, in the, the nightclub. Fake plastic vampire teeth. That was a hilarious scene. I like how he they, he goes to the place and they're like, well, we have these nice fiberglass ones, strong, durable. These could replace your real teeth. And he's like, yo, uh, you got something cheaper? And they're like, well, we got the plastic ones. They're like, you know, a buck fifty. He's like, okay, I'll take those ones. Those are cheap. I'm like, not even committed to his own insanity. I just like that we have this occult store. We never see it in the rest of the movie. Just this one time. And it just exists. And it, of course, you know, it's gray and gloomy outside, and it's there's wind, and it's like, of course, this is where you would find an occult store in the middle of New York. It's the tropey aspect of it just makes it better. Yeah, and you know the the cheap one dollar uh, Dracula fangs that you could find at any uh, costume shop. It's like. Yeah, that, of course, is going to be his fangs for this movie. It's not going to be cool prosthetics. It's going to be something hella cheesy. Oh, yeah. And he's just running around, and you see the other New Yorkers kind of looking at him like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, and he's just... It's the whole thing where Nick Cage is just... He's all in on this. Like, that's the thing about this movie that... Because I'm be real with you. This movie, uh, most of it is not very good. It's, like, kind of okay. Some of the jokes are cool. Some of, like, the performances are are good. But, like, Nick Cage is why this movie is remembered. Definitely. And, I mean, the fact that we have, you know, one of the biggest memes of all time is a screen grab from this movie. Oh, God, it's the Nick Cage face. Yeah, and oh. it's, like, I have seen that everywhere. I've used it before, and it's, like, I had no idea what movie it was from yeah. until we were doing this. And it was just, like... Bro, it's like, this is really happening. I think I might have mentioned this on another episode or something, but when I was in high school, for my senior year of English, there was this, this, like, table or whatever, this group of tables in the back of the room, and there was this one kid who would show up when we were doing, like, study hall, like, you know, writing, you know, our basically the term papers for we could fucking graduate. Yeah. And he showed up with a framed picture of Nicolas Cage, and it (laughs) was this picture... And it was like this exact picture, and he set it up on his desk, and like all the homies were there, and they just and they would have it set up at the end of the table, and the professor was like, "Why is that there?" And he was straight faced, was like, it's "Just a beautiful picture. It inspires me." The meme lords, man, these people were meme lords, and this movie was a meme lord before memes were a meme. Exactly, they had no idea that this movie in the '80s was gonna launch off. A meme universe, you know, decades and decades later. Uh, another cool thing about this movie is, uh, and also about Nicolas Cage's performance in particular, mm-hmm. have you ever seen the film Color Out of Space? Uh, I don't think I have. All right. It's an H.P. Lovecraft adaptation. It's done by Richard Stanley. It's really good. I really dig it. Uh, it stars Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, Nicolas Cage is this, you know, oh, you know, all shucks kind of dad character, yeah. farmer. And he gets infected by this, you know, alien color thing. And it starts warping his personality and, like, corrupting his mind. And he starts doing the voice from this movie. Because 
<laughs> this movie was um, Richard Stanley's favorite Nicolas Cage performance, and he's like, you have to do the voice. That it's a such, it's like it's it's amazing. It is artistic. Well, you know, to kind of go along with that, I guess GQ did an interview with Nicolas Cage in 2018, mm-hmm. and they asked him, you know, what was your favorite performance that you've done, and he said it was this film, and it's just like I can believe it because he put so much into this performance that it's just wild. Yeah, and it's and, and it's a thing where I really feel like you can see Nicolas Cage just taking the ball and running with it i feel the director was like nick do whatever you want it's all you you do you and this is what we got because i mean he looks deranged in the movie yeah he has you know a couple of calm moments where he comes down but it's just like you could just see it in his eyes he's not there he's letting peter Lowe take the wheel and he's just gone it's such a good performance. I would highly recommend people watching this just to watch Nicolas Cage in full insanity. I mean, this movie, while it wasn't, you know, a box office, you know, masterpiece. It or, was a giant flop. It was a flop, but it did inspire Christian Bale when he did his... Um, uh, oh, American Psycho? American Psycho, when yep. he went to go do his test screening for it. He, you know, put on the Peter Lowe persona... And they're just like, you know what? We're going to give you the, the job. And it's like, yeah, you know, after thinking about it, like, yeah, that is Peter Lowe that we see in American Psycho. I, okay, that's another weird thing, because watching this movie and then, watch, like, American Psycho, mm-hmm. they're kind of the same movie, right? These two yuppie, you know, power-hungry mm-hmm. people, super materialistic, are slowly going insane and you know, the end of the movie is a whole twist where it's like, oh, what you saw wasn't real. Yeah. You know, with um, Peter Lowe, he's like, oh, he thought he was turning into a vampire, but he's just insane. You know, everything he's seen after that point yeah. was just his descent into madness. In American Psycho, it's Patrick Bateman kind of descending into madness, believing he's this, you know, psycho. He's a serial killer. Yeah. But at the end of the movie, it's just like, well, what was real? Because it's like, all the, all the people you thought you killed, they're told, they're alive. Yeah. You know, and they're coming back next week. And it's like... What? Well, it's like the same twist thing going on where the main character that we're following through the movie is insane. Yeah. And it's like, Kino. This movie is great. Yeah, and it's just interesting to see how, you know, what was considered a flop has such a cult following. A huge cult following. But on that note of it being a flop, like, I'll say this right now. I really dug this movie. It was super fun. I'm probably going to actually probably gonna give it a rewatch like very soon because it was a lot of fun and i really dug it but this is the definition of the kind of movie that would flop yeah i mean it's a simple story Mm -hmm. while being complex at the same time you have this outrageous character you have nicholas cage going all the way yeah and it's crazy nicholas cage yeah and after seeing and you know, while doing research, people that they considered to play Peter Lowe, no one else could do it but Nicolas Cage. Really? Yeah, they wanted Judd Nelson. That's and not it's, good. And it's like you know, okay, you know, Judd Nelson really big at that time, you know, the whole '80s movie. But they also wanted Sylvester Stallone, and I'm just like, what? That's really one of those we are casting for star power and not for right for the role because i cannot imagine sylvester stallone playing this character i can't imagine him doing 
half the shit that like they have Nick Cage doing in here. No, and it would have been a complete completely different movie. different movie, yeah. It really would have been more of a a drama. It probably would have ended up being kind of like an American Psycho prequel. Yeah, because with this movie there's a lot of humor to it. Mm. While, you know, there are some serious things that are dealt with in this movie because I mean it's a black comedy. It's a black comedy, but we do have um Peter who goes and attacks his secretary. Oh yeah. I yeah. mean, he's just tormenting this poor woman throughout the movie. And um who's played by Maria Cochita Alonso. Yeah. Poor Alva, she just, you know, takes a beating in this movie because it's not only this contract that he has her looking for, it's just He's he's abusive, he's mean. He's he chasing tells her, her down the, the lowest hallways. one of the totem pole, Alva. Also, I'm going to use the Nick... That Nick Cage oh. accent is is great. That is one thing that I was terrified after watching this movie. I'm like, Dean is going to talk like Peter Lowe forever now. Why would I do that, boo? I would never talk like Peter Lowe. It's good stuff. It's, it's Kino. But yeah, and the thing is, is we... Okay, we're watching this, and I think Peter, even without being, you know, psychotic... He's probably just not a pleasant person in, like, no. normal life, right? He seems kind of like a dick. Yeah. But we're invested in what's going on with him because it's like... He is the main character. We are with him at all times. Yeah, we see, and we see the world through his eyes. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we get a third-person perspective, we're like, oh, this guy's fucking nutso. And it's the other thing. I go back to Nicholas Cage's performance. He's so engaging when yeah. he's, like, talking, doing stuff, moving. Like, when he does... He literally just says the alphabet. Yes. Literally just says the alphabet. And I'm like, I can't look away from this. He is just going for it. And now Dean will never say the alphabet the original way that he did in the past. Can never do it. He is now going to say it in the Peter Lowe way forever. Forever and ever. It's too good. It's too good. But to kick it back to Alva, I mean, this poor woman, she's chased down hallways. He chases her into a bathroom. He sexually assaults her. He physically assaults her. And it's just like, my God. You know, it's like, is anyone going to help her? Everybody's like, ah, that's just old Peter. Old wacky Peter. It's insanity. It is insanity. For God's sakes, Peter, like, like eats a woman. He eats a pigeon, too. He eats a pigeon, yeah, which was gross. Uh. But, I mean... There's only two body counts in this movie. One including Peter Mm -hmm. and the club girl, which right away uh, when he pulls back and you see the amount of blood coming off of her neck, I'm like, oh yeah, she's a goner. Super dead. Yeah, because he goes at her with his plastic fangs and it's just the force and hitting one of those arteries. I'm like, yeah, that's that's it. Also, like, let's let's be honest. (laughs) You can tell just by watching the movie, it's like, he is he is hung he's hungry and yeah. he is crazy yeah so it it is a it is a kind of a grotesque sequence there and it's also in this like bumping club and he just like walks out with his face covered in blood his and face no his one, shirt and no one even puts two and two together they're just like man that guy really caught that no that coke nosebleed in the bathroom oh man but one thing, when he was entering the club for the first time and you just see people everywhere and they're just crammed together on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like, you know, coming out of 2020. 
I was just like, oh my god, there are so many people and they are so close <laughs> together. I'm like, this is not good. Ah, uh, Boo's having the 2020 flashbacks. A lot of PTSD. It was like, oh my god, there's so many people. <laughs> but it was just like, the amount of people he was surrounded and no one questioned, why is he covered in blood? That's another one of those things where it's just like, you know, how much of this movie is in his head? Exactly. It's like, he could have imagined this, but we do have the girl that dies. But it, it's crazy. I mean, he gets thrown out of the club, and people are making fun of him. You know, the sun's coming up soon, and they're making the crosses on their fingers, and he's like, please, no, no. I'm a vampire, <laughs> a vampire. I love that bit, by the way, where it's just Nick Cage wa- walking through the streets of New York, dragging a fucking piece of a pallet behind him, mm-hmm. covered in blood, disheveled as hell, yelling, I'm a vampire. Mm-hmm. The vampire! And I'm like, what is the What the fuck am I watching? And just, you know, seeing him throughout the movie reacting to the big neon cross, how he just drops, and the man's like, sir, your groceries, your groceries! Or hearing the church bells, and he's, oh, the plagues of the undamned! And it was just like, <sighs> he's just like going to town. It's so funny. I mean, his makeshift coffin that he does at home where he doesn't It's fit. like the couch and the books. And and oh. it's either his head or his feet that stick out. And it's just like, yeah, you're not doing the coffin thing right. And the fact that he sets up his uh, his alarm clock next to him to make sure he gets up on time. But of course. Yeah. You know. But yeah, I, I really dug this movie. Uh, where, where else do you want to want to take this convo? Well, Jennifer Beals, who plays Rachel, are... Yeah quote-unquote vampire in this movie it was bugging me because i was like i know i recognize you from things and she's she's like well i don't know how famous she is now but she was in a bunch of stuff back in the 80s she was in Flashdance. i think was her big thing yeah and i had to look her up last night because it was just bugging me it's like i know i've seen you and things i just can't put your face where i think you know Uh i know i've seen you and i was like flash was the first thing that popped up and i was like that's right, she was Alex in Flashdance. And I'm just like, okay, this is pretty cool. But I think because she did um, The Bride, which was you know based off of The Bride of Frankenstein in 85, mm-hmm. she was able to do this movie in 88. Oh, okay. So she got to play basically you know, two monster lores back to back. Oh, that is neato. I didn't know she did that. Yeah, so I, I thought that was really interesting that... She kind of got, you know, a couple of years of monsters back-to-back in her filmography. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, kind of two, you know, big monsters to tackle because Dracula is its own, you know, entity and the Bride of Frankenstein, that's another huge thing. Yeah. And I think she, you know, really played a good job of being, you know, the vampire, the 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 vampire seductress. And, you know, we see her in the club and, you know, she's laughing at Peter and calling him, you know pathetic and an imbecile and he's just i love you i love you you know you're everything to me and then we see her on the dance floor and she's just a regular human being that's on there on a date and she knows him because he picked her up in a bar one time and it's just you know get away from me you're a creep please leave me alone crazy person and he's you know pulling her lips up to you know look at her teeth look at her teeth. she's a vampire a vampire and that's why it was kind of like you know, at the end, when we get that clip of her talking, it's like, well, was she? And she was playing it human? No! It's like, God, no! Lowe's just crazy! Uh, 
All right, boo. But this movie was something else. It was something else. All right, final thoughts on this one? It was a good time. Good time? I love this movie. It was a great time. And be prepared to hear Dean impersonate Peter Lowe in future episodes because I know it'll come back when I least expect it. Would you say it would come back to bite you? Oh, God. Please don't bite me. It's going to be great. All right, everybody. Uh, so, yeah, that was our Vampire's Kiss episode. But if you want to see or something different on the anniversary of our podcast next week, because we're going to be doing something special next week, right? That's right. Next week is our one-year anniversary of the Film Club podcast. And we're also kicking off the month of October. So we're not going to be playing on our regular Thursdays where we, we will be playing October 1st, which is a Friday. So we will still be there. And I think, you know, to really kick off the month of October and to celebrate our podcast, we have to talk about a really influential film and film history and horror history. Yep. So we are going to be talking about Frankenstein, the 1931 version with Boris Karloff, Colin Clive. It is going to be amazing. It's one of Boo's favorite movies. All-time favorite movies. It's on my top ten list. Ooh, another one. Another one. And, yeah, you know, it's going to be a fun episode. Uh, Don't miss it. Are you excited that we got to the one-year mark? We did. We made it one year, and they said it would never last. They said it wouldn't last, but here we are talking about movies a year later. Uh and then, you know, the week after that, oh, that's when we're retiring the, the, the podcast, right? That, that's it. We, it's we made over. It's to the one-year mark. It's you know, time to hang up the microphone and the headphones. That's it. Uh, but if you wanted to keep listening on, where can they go? Well, if you want to listen to us on a platform different than you currently are right now, we're on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and we're also at a different location, not that you would think of. We are. We're actually on YouTube, on the YouTube channel In The Frame, uh, In The Frame, that has all the podcast we do. Um, we have the Film Club podcast, the Double Feature podcast, uh, the Film Odyssey podcast, Too Obscure for TV. We have all those podcasts on there. You can go watch them. They all look at something a little bit different. They all talk a little bit different. They all sound a little bit different. So if you don't like one of them, you can always search around and maybe find something you do enjoy. That, and if you want to keep listening to movies, something different than we currently are, you know providing you guys you could go listen to the film odyssey where they're talking about the afi top 100 movies too obscure where you guys really pick out <laughs> the weird weird, weird random vampires movies. kiss would be the standard of the kind of movies we would talk about yeah there. or double feature where you guys talk about two movies at once we do we bring two movies together compare them contrast them kind of pit them against each other but really it's just a kind of analysis and of the themes and stuff going on there and why the two movies work yeah so if you don't want to listen to us on a streaming service we're on youtube and if you want to follow us on social media you can find us on instagram and facebook at the film club podcast and with that we'll see you next week at the film club peace